Hi guys, and welcome back for Unfiltered. Today is a solo episode in that Mark is not with me. I am down on the South Coast, uh, but I am incredibly lucky because I'm not totally alone. I have my best friend of 28 years, Miss Josephine Edie, who many of you will know as Josie Doodles over on Instagram. We have been mates since as long as I can remember, uh, and she is an incredible friend, amazing mum. But what she's really here to talk about today is her unbelievable art. And she's probably cringing at me describing it as art at the moment, which we're also going to dive into today. But the reason I wanted to talk to Josie is because she has turned something which is such a passion project and something which is just pure talent and personal enjoyment and turned it into this massive platform and business and a positive force on social media, which many people would not be surprised to find out. I'm a big fan of that in what can be a little bit of a garbage fire on the internet. She is just a great source of insight and happiness and connecting people over shared experiences and sharing her vulnerabilities to make it okay for other people to share their own. So Josie, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to tell everybody how we met? It's probably not a huge surprise given we were five, but do you want to tell everybody how we became pals all those years ago? How did we become pals? School. Yeah, oh, obviously. Sorry, I thought you. I thought you remembered a specific. Thing. No. Okay. <laughs> I barely remember what happened last week. I definitely can't remember what happened when we I were do, five. I mean, we met when we were five, but I do remember there was a phase there when we were seven or eight years old, and we were just a bit over other people, and we just sat alone for lunch for I think a solid year. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, meant to be right from the beginning. It could have just been a week, but you know, at the age of seven or eight, it feels like a year. We were little rebels. Like yeah, we thought sure. we were so bad when we swore and like we gave each other really like ridiculous nicknames and going against oh, the crowd. Yeah. What do you remember we were like at that age? Or oh, was just in primary school. <laughs> what did you call us the other day? Just total dead shits. That's pretty Dead much- shits. <laughs> Rat bags, dead shits. Tomboys. But we had a great time. Yeah great time this is before the internet and everything so we just had to make our own fun yeah without any hope of like putting it out into an audience because I do remember uh our first collaboration on film was your mum had a video camera and you and I always used to debate about whose house was better you wanted to come to my house because we had a pool and I wanted to come to your house because your mum had a video camera and with the video camera, we would like do fake news segments and fake ads. And I am so incredibly thankful that the internet was not a thing because 12 year old us probably would have put it on YouTube. <laughs> this just goes to show we were clearly, you know, meant to be content creators from the That's beginning. That's right. The quality of those productions. I mean, just mwah, chef's kiss, top, Thank top God not tier. Influenced, so, yeah. <laughs> we should maybe do like a joint patreon screening or something for like a <laughs> fundraiser <laughs> no, people need to really open their wallets for that. oh yeah devastating. we'll put a price on our humiliation for sure so obviously wanted to have you on to talk about the amazing stuff that you've been doing on the internet because i remember i think we were like 27 when i first like you never told anyone you were doing it but I think that maybe you linked to something and saw this gorgeous account with these little blue guys who are your main characters in your doodles. And it was really just a passion project of yours. And now you have how many people following you on Instagram? Um, 
87,000, I think. 87. Yes. Yeah. So you've gone from this, like just passion project, people who you knew following you to 87,000 people following you in the space of like five years. Yeah. So where did it all start? Where did the idea of the little blue dudes come from? I, I don't really, I think it, it did. It's not like the blue dudes like started first. It was a desire to get away from the computer. So I, I work normally as a graphic designer um, full time before I had Nina. And it's great because you get to be creative, but that's within um, client briefs. Uh, it's all on, it's all pretty much on the computer. There's not really a lot of time spent um, away from the computer. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always needed my craft side projects. So I've gone from, I made coffee tables out of pallets for a year, mm-hmm. went on to making blankets for a while. And then I just sort of thought I need to stop making these big craft projects and just keep it really simple and just got back into drawing. And I always had a fear of uh, watercolors so I thought then that's the one I'm going to have to use I love that um, and then just literally just sat there and just started drawing circles and then putting expressions on these circles and then I just kind of felt there was something there um, initially I wanted to get into more sort of comic style humor but I'm not I'm not a not a joking humor person I have a good mm. sense of humor but I, I I'm not a, a creator of um, I guess, humorous comics. So then I started to head more down the kind of, I guess, would you call it mental health or? I would call it like observational. Observational. Yeah. Like it's kind of life scenarios and, you know, uh, yeah, mental health plays into it, but it's sort of concepts of like loneliness or being different or feeling like you're not good enough. So they're really just universal experiences and you just hit the nail on the head about, what feels like such like a just you experience or feeling right. yeah. you put it in a frame that makes people go, Oh my God, other people feel like this. And that's actually why I started to share it publicly. Initially I was just collecting stuff on Instagram because it's kind of like a great archive for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I started to use hashtags and wanted it to be a bit more public because I thought if a few people see this and realize that I'm thinking the same things that they're probably thinking as well, we'll all feel a little bit more together mm-hmm. in this. Um, because I know it's so normal that we always think, oh, I'm the only person that thinks like this or thinks negatively or whatever. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I think that's how it kind of, that's when I started to have more of a drive to really grow the account, I guess. So does it really feel like an outlet to you? Like when you have an idea, is it, do you feel compelled to put this snapshot or this experience? Is it stuff that you're going through that then eventually makes it into a doodle? I think to begin with, for the first few years, that's definitely what most of the doodles were. It was more in relation to my thoughts, my life, or things I was observing uh, in friends. And lately, and this could be due to the pressure that you get, you know, when your following starts to grow. Mm. I think now I'm trying, and maybe a bit too much, to make it relatable to everyone. Mm. Um, So also, like, a lot of the time it might be I find a really great, great quote and that will, will spur on a doodle in my mind that I think is, um, I guess, supportive uh, to look at or um, I might not necessarily identify with it myself, but I, I just can't wait to kind of put those words into a visual illustration. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and to kind of like give it life 
and yeah. add another dimension to it. As someone that's more of a visual person, yeah, exactly. I just thought maybe that's what I can offer. But that's what I always love hearing about when people's platforms become platforms, not because it came from like, you know, a, a saying, oh, there's a gap here. I'll gain followers because I can fill this gap or whatever. It's that it started from here's my experiences or things I'm observing that other people. And I feel like, you know, I can put that into a relatable image. Yeah. Um, but how did the platform grow? So you said like you added hashtags, et cetera. And was it, did you intend for it to get as big as it did? Was it sort of like, oh, now that I'm adding hashtags, I have goals of how I want this to grow and numbers that I want to hit? Oh my gosh, no. I think what happened, I jumped from, I had 500 followers and it, um, at the beginning. I think that was about a year in. And I was really happy with that. There's a nice little community. I mean, 500 even still sounds like a lot of people, but, you know, maybe, you know, we, we miss things on social media. So let's say 5 to 10% of the time, uh, five to ten percent of the people were actually sort of engaged, and that it, that was really cool because it felt like a really nice small community, and that was enough. And I thought that was great. Then I posted, I think it's called, oh uh, yeah, so this doodle's called Ordeal versus Adventure, mm-hmm. and it's um, one of my little blue guys is standing in the rain, looking quite sad and miserable, and the other one is pulling the rain aside like a curtain. Oh, yeah. Um, with, I guess, kind of like trying to see the good side of something or um, trying to see what could be an ordeal as an adventure yeah, um, or a sidestep. And that one really took off. And that's when it jumped from about 500 to 3,000. And then it just kind of went from there up to 6,000. And then I think once it hit 12,000, I was like, oh, okay, this is actually, I think, becoming a growing account it's like and, a runaway train i'm not in control yeah. of this vehicle anymore <laughs> and, it was it belongs to the people now yeah this isn't mine anymore exactly <laughs> but this is before social media got i think really critical and nasty like mm-hmm. it was it was of course nasty but not to the extent it is now um so it was still really fun and exciting and i wasn't scared i was just excited i was like cool the more people that see this the more people that can enjoy my art um the better that's great then it gave me um, a bit even more of a boost to, I think, keep producing more doodles. It was awesome. And I think that is the beauty or actually I think it's like the grass is greener concept, right? That you have so much focus from people in the social media realm and people wanting to be something or someone on social media. And obviously the answer to that seems to be likes and followers and like let's forget about the actual substance of the content. As long as you've got likes and followers, that says something. And even because, you know, I know in our discussions offline, uh, when we talk about the social media side of our business and what we do, it's not about the numbers. It's not about the likes and the followers, but there is something very special about having people, you know, get something out of your work. There is something extraordinarily special about sharing that with actually a much smaller audience. So when you said you know, the number 500, it's like, you can be more candid. You can be totally open, a little less guarded. You don't have to kind of maybe watch your language, not in any kind of like extreme way, but you can, yeah, just be a little bit more vulnerable and open with your audience uh, at that time. Do you miss that? I think 
it, well, that's the difference, isn't it? I think when you have a high number in your following, so let's say over 20,000 or maybe even over 10,000, yeah, then there's a six, well, maybe not, maybe we put that on ourselves, but you're expected to do everything perfectly mm-hmm. and not abs- miss, miss, um, misstep in any way with your wording. And I think when I had that really um, sort of a following of about 500, I wasn't even thinking, and I did this doodle for International Women's Day, and it was a doodle of a uterus because that was a character in one of my doodles anyway. And someone came along and said, you don't need a uterus to be a woman. And I was like, oh, my goodness, of course. Like it was just mm-hmm. so silly. And I still, I think, was learning and and as well a lot more than about, um, I guess, yeah, awareness. And then what I liked there was because I had a small following, it was very like, oh, look, you've stuffed up here. And I was like, yeah, cool, thanks for the feedback, deleted it, um, apologised as well. And mm-hmm. if I had did that now, I feel like this is in mass cancel culture. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I think you would just be absolutely shot. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like, that's it, you're gone. The police are at your door, you're yeah, and under I'm not, arrest for like, PC crimes. Not that we shouldn't be responsible for yes. it because that would have really hurt people's feelings and I, I'm really sorry if it did. That, that's really, really bad. I, I was so glad I was given a chance to, to learn and be mm-hmm. made aware of just something I wasn't focusing on because it doesn't concern me maybe personally. And it's just, yeah. So that was, I think, the nice thing about having a smaller following was just it was such a great space to learn from other people, also about my own privileges in life. Whereas now I think it actually holds me back the larger following from uploading content because I'm so fearful and you know this too Mm. of any potential backlash in something that I may have done wrong that I can't see I think people on social media everyone just wants to put in their two cents and have their opinion and be critical not everyone sorry Mm. but um it just it it's now I feel like I'm walking on eggshells a bit more that's yeah yeah so does that like how does that impact your creative process will you have an idea and go no I can't do that or do you find that you sort of have to sort of sit on an idea for a bit longer to make it a bit more PC friendly I guess (laughs) and like don't get me wrong I'm a big fan of PC I'm not a fan of like censorship for the sake of PC um it is just a shame in that I think I'll it's it's good in that maybe I'll spend a bit longer on either creating it or really editing it and deciding what the final doodle will be. But sometimes that's not a really good thing because I think about it for so long that eventually I just delete the idea altogether and don't even bother mm. uploading it because I've overthought it. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's, that's a bit of a shame. I think, I, but that's just, that's just something I just need to overcome and I don't want to be fearful of being criticized or, this whole cancel culture. Um, so yeah, that's just, that's a, that's a personal challenge I have to yeah. overcome, I think. Yeah. And the flip side is that you have so many people, like I see your comments and how many people, you know, comment needed to see this today or having a really tough moment. And what I personally love is when you see people tagging their friends or family and saying, thought you might've needed this today, oh. or we were just talking about this the other day and you can just see, not only are they connecting to you, it's an opportunity for them to connect to each other. How does it feel when you see that kind of interaction and you know you're kind of like facilitating probably really important information, information, conversations <laughs> as a result of like this thing that went from your head to 
a piece of paper to Instagram. How does it feel when you see that kind of stuff in your feed? Yeah, see, that, that's what makes, I think, all the time and effort that goes into this and any criticism you receive and trying to filter that out, that just makes it all worth it, all that stuff. Um, that's what kept me going originally when I didn't think this account was going to have a big following. And people contact me and say, oh, how'd you get so many followers? I want to start an account and get a lot of followers too. That's just not a great way to start. I think if, if chasing numbers is, is what you're after, you're not going to produce that kind of content that... Mm speaks fully true to yourself but also that's going to resonate with other people and I always feel like you can get a sense of the energy that comes across when you when you upload content you know there's you go those you go to those accounts that feel like it's just placeholder sort of stuff yeah to fill up the content and the page but there's no true meaning behind it and I I decided not to go I, I sometimes think should I produce more but I'm just like I can't bring myself to hit post if I don't genuinely feel or believe in that particular doodle that day or, yes. or vibing with it. And um, I think you've also got the realization at some point that audiences are so discerning, like they, because social media was new when Instagram's popping up, etc. people have been able to build brands on pretty empty vacuous stuff where you can tell, like you said, they're just placeholders or it's out of like straight out of a content calendar. Like what are we going to put up next Tuesday kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but people can tell if it's vacuous and empty these days and I when it's just like sponsored hashtag ad, people just aren't into that and they don't want it on their feed they don't want to be marketed to and advertised to and there's like a renaissance for genuine um genuine content again which is so refreshing people want the raw and the real and the honest creators out there yeah and it's i mean i look at the the all the accounts that i follow and they these people put way more time into the content that they create that's really helpful to people than that what they get paid for mm. um and I think but that it feels good. I mean, you do this. Like, mm. It's really, really nice, especially at the moment when we can't have sort of physical contact with other people. It just feels so good, particularly now, to be able to fuel social media with something nice that might feel good or that they yeah. can share with a friend and bond over. And, and I love that. It's, I think everyone deep down wants to contribute something to the world that's positive and it doesn't matter how big or small that is. And I, I think this is the only way I really know how um, I like drawing. I have a passion for it. And if, if I can just kind of give something back to the world through that, then that's great. That's, that's awesome. And you have something to say, right? Like you have a perspective and it's a perspective which people really resonate with. And sort of going back to what you said, if, if, people are listening to this and wondering like how do I get my work out there if you're genuinely passionate and you're genuinely good at what you do it's going to go somewhere that's that's you know what it takes essentially yes you can do all the tricky marketing stuff and social media stuff and follow for follow and all of that um but if you have a genuine passion it's going to come through the screen you can feel yeah. that someone's put their time and their energy and their love into something um which is obviously how people connect to your art. And I know that we call your doodles doodles. They are art. And I know that you struggle with calling yourself an artist when mm. I introduce you to people when we're out and about. And it's, 
this is my friend Josie. She's an artist and you just, I can see all oh. of your organs like just squelching <laughs> together as you cringe as hard as you possibly can. Uh, so what is that struggle about, Josephine? What is this push against the artist term? And <laughs> entrepreneur too, like you're, you're a business lady now. I'm owning it more now. Good. I am, thanks to someone. <laughs> pushing Expo- to exposure own. therapy. <laughs> it, was, well, it was ridiculous because um, particularly now um, I'm, I'm not working full-time graphic design anymore or working in graphic design at all at the moment, which is great because the doodles are busy. But um, I go out to the playground with Nina and meet other parents and they're like oh so what do you do and I, I say oh, I'm a graphic designer and they're like oh cool so where are you working and I'm like no we worked on it in <laughs> nearly two years now so <laughs> this is really not a great answer because it's not leading me anywhere so I'm now introducing myself as a what do I call myself I say doodler but I, so I'm working on doodle artist I think yeah I'm I'm I'm, I'm getting there I'm getting good there. yeah so what but what is the pushback do you what think why do you think you don't, given you have so much reach and, you know, with that reach and people appreciating your work, and I think it's important to mention it's not just, and not to say just, but this is expanded yeah. into now a business where you sell original versions of these artworks and prints and other uh, uh, items. There's a beautiful swaddle. Are they still for sale? Oh, yes, they are. Brilliant. Yeah. So all of that stuff will be in the description <laughs> box below. Um so it's a gen- it's a genuine business now, but it all came from mm. your artistry. So what do you think the because you weren't totally about the business side of things for a while. We kind of no. bullied each other into doing that with yeah. our own businesses. <laughs> so why do you think that you didn't sort of uh, step into that or didn't kind of like feel comfortable with that initially? I, I honestly don't know. Perhaps growing up when people use the word artist and when I did art at school and you would always study sort of art from the 1500s and 1600s. And I mean, there's some seriously amazing paintings. And I think that's just what I always thought that an artist was someone that will A, used paint and B, did the most amazing paintings that could look like photographs. It's just a weird, maybe that's just my own thoughts that I gathered on it. Honestly, I don't know. Maybe... I think it's a lot of, you know, we've talked about, I've mentioned imposter syndrome to you before, which is why I think it's important to kind of, you know, have people who love your work listening to this and being like, oh my God, she doesn't like own how amazing her work is because, you know, from the outside, people who look like they, you know, are really confident or really sure of themselves none of us really are. We all suffer from imposter syndrome, which is a real psychological term, meaning you feel like you're a kind of a fraud, right? Like Mm -hmm. someone's going to figure you out and knock on your door and be like, hi, we're here to shut down your Instagram account and take away your paints and you're not allowed to do this anymore. And revoke you of this artist title you've given yourself, yeah. So do you you ever, even outside of like the art stuff, do you ever get that imposter syndrome kind of feeling? Like who am I to do this or who am I to call myself an artist or an entrepreneur? definitely the whole who am I thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, so many people enjoy art and do it as a hobby. So I feel like, well, if they're not calling themselves artists, why should I? Mm. I guess as well, you always look at someone else who you think is doing it better than you. So you think, oh, well, they deserve the title. I don't know why we're so critical of ourselves like this. It's the same as growing my business. Like people like, oh, you have like your own little business now. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. It's just a little thing. Yeah. 
where I just sell my art. It's nothing. (laughs) And ship it to all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. Ship all over the world. Yeah. Busy all the time. But oh no. It's really cute. It's cute. It's just a cute hobby. I have to pay taxes on it and everything, but no, 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 it's not a business. No, my partner works and I just do this cute thing. Um, it's super cute. Uh, it's adorable and it's just fun. I just oh do it for God. fun. Why do I patronize myself like this? I was going to ask you, it kind of sounds like that humility that we're all expected to adopt, especially as women to kind of, because I do it as well, like talk down your accomplishments or talk down your business or, you know, not totally take ownership of what you're good at. And, and like I said in a video recently, you know, I am very good at what I do. And then I immediately was like, and it's okay to say that. Yes, <laughs> I went like, God, you sound arrogant and people are going to think you're full of yourself. But if we see, say a man, like really step into and own the fact he's an expert in, in something or this is his title. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm really good at what I do and I deserve this pay raise or I deserve this position or whatever. We're like, yeah, mate, like you're you good on him. Go yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. I think as women, we're sort of given the impression that humility and, you know, keep yourself humble and, you know, don't be immodest, God forbid. Well, we're conditioned to not take up space. So don't mm. take up space from another man, especially mm. if you want to be in a relationship with a man. <laughs> then make sure you even give even more of your space over. Yeah. God forbid you actually sort of show off your talents. Yeah. And don't earn more than him, which is oh, you know, never how impossible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know you've got yourself a real catch if your partner is in embarrassed by the fact that you make more money than them yeah 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 and can't just be like the benefit for the family overall Mm. yeah i thought we might get on a feminist tangent Uh, at some point i've been trying really hard not to as well (laughs) no no no. we'll do it we'll we'll, i'm sure there's many episodes in our future where it's just about that um so we talked a little bit about you know when you were saying you know well you know i kind of talk about it like it's just a hobby and don't really you know, uh, speak too much about the fact that it is, you know, a business, etc. But there is obviously a difference between when you are creating this art as a hobby or as an outlet, a creative expression that was very personal to now, you know, creating it online for an audience and for the purpose of the business. Um, do you feel like you still get to have it as a creative outlet? Like, is it still something where you can express yourself or is it pretty much everything has to go through the filter of, you know, what's how it's going to be received business kind of filter, or is it something that feels like fulfilling as a creative outlet still? No, it does. It, and do you know why? Because, and I've done this before with other craft projects is, what I knew to do with this is to create, as to set boundaries. Mm. Um, so I lost a passion for, for example, when I used to um, repurpose old wooden pallets into coffee tables, I lost the passion for it when I started taking orders from people before I'd made the tables. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say, so I do do custom doodles and I love it, but I do set boundaries as to how much I can actually offer people now. So uh, I used to just create um, coffee tables before, put them up online for sale. People would buy them. They're happy. Great. Um, I think with the doodles, it's why I haven't advertised that I do custom doodles yet, is for someone to reach out to me and ask for a specific kind of doodle, I feel like they're very determined to get this custom doodle done and are grateful, I guess, for what I'll uh, create from their brief. 
Yes. Um, otherwise, I, I stick to strictly the stuff that I've come up with, that I've already drawn, that I enjoy drawing or read because I, I do sell originals as well. So I redraw uh, doodles, which take quite a bit of time, but I enjoy it because it's my doodle. Um, I, I, I believe in it and I feel really, really happy to draw it. So I think I kept it still as a hobby and well, I guess like a passion, um, despite that it's now a business, because I did set these boundaries with myself as well, not to put that kind of pressure on myself to grow it too much either, too fast. Mm. Um, because people say, you should do this, you can put on that. And, you, and I get contacted by um, merch companies who really want to make little squishy things out of your doodles. And I'm just like, mm, no, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, like let's just, um, that's not, was never a goal of mine. Um, so I'm not going to take up projects basically that I either don't believe in or I'm not passionate about. And I think that's what's kept it as a job and hobby. Yes. Um, and something that still gives me a lot of pleasure to create because I still own it. Um, and I mean, I, sorry, sorry to interrupt you because I, it just occurred to me cause I'm not visually creative as in any category. So I would never have anything that I ever created hanging in somebody's house, but there's a difference between like, yeah, let's make 800 items out of this image versus somebody has this very, you know, personal item, like a, a thing that you've drawn, hand drawn, hand painted, hanging in their home. Yeah. Which is so personal and has so much meaning or has been given as a gift to somebody. Like I know when I've gone through difficult periods, you've always kind of like marked it with a beautiful original piece of work that is now like has, has total pride of place in my house. And like how special that, that something that originated in your brain is hanging on walls all over the world. And it's, it's so nice to be a part of, I guess, people's, what would you say, life experiences, um, whether they're bad or good. Um, I had a girl who lost her cousin. I think her cousin was quite young in her 20s. Mm. And I had a doodle uh, that I had already existed, but I just changed a couple of things to customize it to um, the relationship she had with her cousin. It was such an honor to yeah. be like she said, she now has that in her bedroom next to her bed. And I was just like, I was quite emotional because that's what makes this job just feel so good. And mm -hmm. I, I think I just want to keep it that way. Um, so it's not about the numbers, it's about creating a product for, for people that brings some meaning to their life and you know I'm obviously not someone that's a huge fan of consumerism yes um <laughs> which is why I sort of encourage people often to buy doodles as a gift as an alternative to other things because I think it can just have like it's a long lasting gift you know yeah and it's even in ways that you probably haven't considered like you know, do you remember I asked you to make a doodle for dad the universe mm. rock. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as a kid, dad would take us to this spot in the bush called universe rock where we'd lie on our backs, my sister, my dad and I and look up at the universe and he'd teach us all about, you know, space and everything. And I asked you for, I think for a Christmas present, cause he was coming out to Australia to do, you've got a doodle of the moon and your little blue guy sitting on the moon, staring out at the stars. And I asked you to put a flag in there that said mm. universe rock. Yeah. And I put it up on Instagram when he opened it and he did his big, great cackle I and he absolutely loved it. Yeah. And in his terrifying apartment that was just like always looked like a bombsite had gone off, it was literally the only thing that he had like propped up 
in his apartment. And then when he went to his partner's where he eventually passed away, it was one of the few things he brought with him and always had it propped up against the wall. And then obviously when he passed away, I took it and have like now have it framed and have it in my house, which is, you know, I, there's probably people who've bought your stuff, Joe, where I can tell you that story, but you'll probably never know the significance of some of the stuff that you've done for people and the reassurance that you've given people that, and because I was scrolling through your shop the other day, this has really just turned into a chat between you and I and people. (laughs) Sorry guys. (laughs) I'm just trying to get myself to stop myself from crying here. Um, there was a doodle and I don't think I've seen it of yours before. And it's two of your little blue guys sitting on a branch and one is sort of partially translucent and what the, you know, uh, blue guy is saying, I miss you. And the translucent guy is saying, I know with their arms around each other. And I was just like, fucking hell, Josie Edie. Like, (laughs) I really know exactly what people need to see and what they need at like the most crucially difficult times of their lives. It's you have a gift. I don't want to make you feel worse, but I actually drew that for you in my Oh, mind. don't. I burst into tears. Oh. I didn't know that. You never oh. told me that. Oh, yeah. Just, oh. I didn't. Oh, it was it was your um, the anniversary, like the one-year anniversary, the dad's death. But oh. Yeah, just spurred that on. Anyway, sorry. Oh, no. Thanks for helping me be really professional. <laughs> oh, God, you're so beautiful. Oh. But, like, you know, like you haven't lost a parent, but, and obviously you can hear about somebody else and you can have empathy, but to like be able to get into that headspace and, and to be able to empathize just beyond, Oh, that must be so sad, but to make the effort to get into their headspace and create something, you know, that other people have gone through is astounding. It's such a gift. Oh, thank you. No, I, I really, and even though it might be something that that's a sad experience, I, I really enjoy I think bringing that kind of it was because after I read your caption about your your papa yeah. um, and it's when I just read this kind of stuff it just I just want to create something for it visually so that if anyone needs just that one quick visual to look at um that I guess is either portraying something that they're feeling or makes them feel supported then that's awesome that's 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 so cool well i'm gonna need to buy that one because as you know i have a josie doodle shrine in my house like i have a gallery if you ever want to do a showing just come to my house (laughs) it's got like the pride of place it's got like a whole wall (laughs) so from devastating death to the miracle of birth Obviously, not just you and Owen, your fabulous partner who, given we've known each other our whole lives, I am lucky enough to, you know, be great mates with Owen as well. You brought the incredible human being that is Nina into the world uh, a little over 18 months ago. Uh, Yeah, just 18 months now. Yeah. Yeah. And she is obviously an absolute light in my life and I demand videos and photos of her on a weekly basis. Um, I have to keep up with you. (laughs) So so sorry to add to that admin list. my videos. (laughs) You can't have an amazing child and then selfishly keep her to yourself. Um, So obviously having a baby is cataclysmic and life-changing in so many different ways and miraculous and also you know, life altering in all the good and the bad and all the in between, Mm. how has it influenced uh, 
what you've produced and sort of your observations. Cause as we've said, like so much of your work is observational about the life, the experience of life. So how has she influenced what you're creating since she came into the world? Um, having a kid certainly makes you more vulnerable in terms of, I cry about everything. Yeah. Um, I think it's just um, shed off a bit of ignorance. So if I created a doodle, um, if it was about loss or supporting a loved one uh, with a mental illness, mm. I think I just sort of had that kind of more hard shell of, you know, if that was a mate or your parents or something. I think now I guess I have um, a more sensitive I guess, empathy, like space that this could be someone's child. That mm-hmm. this, Like when someone looks at this doodle, this could be someone's kid. And I think that, I don't know if it's changed the doodle so much. Maybe it has. And like I haven't, maybe it's possibly made me produce different doodles. Um, I don't know if it's really changed the doodles, to be honest. I'm, I'm definitely really vulnerable to my emotions which I usually mm. like find shut off and then I have a massive cry probably every three to six months yeah um, which is not healthy I'm not recommending that by the way. <laughs> I'm not saying yeah so anyway I've got a really great skill here um it's fucking awful um but I think Nina's just made me more vulnerable and really broken down a wall but I've also put another wall up um mm. This is okay. I'm going to try not to cry. So I'm going to keep this really brief. But like, it's all right. I cried. It'll, <laughs> it'll balance things out a bit. <laughs> but like, God forbid if anything happened to her, like, yes. I need also a wall to kind of, I think, stop me from putting a bubble around her. Um, it's, it's a weird thing I can't describe. Um, anyway, I'm going on about parenting. Sorry, not about the No, deal. it's great. Um, okay. Well, I think because obviously we don't want anything to happen to our children. So, I don't know if it's nature or if I did this or if this happens to a lot of other parents, but I basically, I can feel that a wall went up after a few months after having it of like, well, she's got to live a life. So um, otherwise you're just going to keep them home all the time. Um, And then that's going to potentially put them at risk of a whole bunch of other stuff. So they have to go out in the world. Yeah. It's just, yeah, well, exactly. Um, So it's like, I don't know if nature does that so that they can actually go out and live their life. Um, and learn skills and things and obviously they're going to have to experience pain physical and emotional but I guess in some way it's made me more sensitive and vulnerable emotionally and also tougher and resilient at the same time Mm. but I don't know how if that's even affected my doodles to be honest I don't think it has except that I produced a few doodles there for the swaddle and the cot sheet um, about parenting in those first few months I, I'm sorry I, if that was a very blunt. No, I think it's, I think you're right. I think that it has, you have become a lot more, I mean, cause I've known you literally since I can form memory and you've always been like a deeply empathetic and caring person, but there's like a, a, a vulnerability that's opened up. Like it was always in there. It's just yeah. that Nina has helped you access it a little bit more. And it's not that it's like hysterical vulnerability. It's just like a depth there that she's helped you kind of, I don't know, like consider and observe a little bit more because I have noticed it in your doodles that, you know, it's gone from observational stuff that is uh, really, you know, 
like you still do humorous stuff and the stuff that you do that is funny is so funny. And that is so hard to do, Josie, to make a joke in one image is extraordinarily difficult. Like comedians need entire 30 minute sets to make a joke, right? (laughs) (laughs) So you think you're not funny. You are. But now there's like, you're exploring issues on kind of like a deeper level. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, I see so much more sort of, uh, philosophical stuff that you're exploring where you don't have the answer it's just let's ask questions right like let's just not be so rigid in our thinking let's just be more open and and caring and empathetic I don't have all the answers but why don't we consider this Mm. oh that's good I'm really glad to hear it's gone that direction because that's exactly right it's like I don't have the answers and I'm I'm not a psychologist and I'm I'm not a life coach but I'm really glad. Oh, that that you see the doodles are going in that direction. But I, I, yeah, I don't see. I guess for me, I don't know if that's me having Nina and becoming a mother, or if that's just growing as well with yeah. the over time. That could also be it. I, I think I've really become a lot more aware, aware in the last year or two of my own privilege um, or yes. privileges, I should say, um, multiple privileges. That it's made me a lot more aware to not just come at something from my angle. Yeah. Um, all yes. my and so I do try and now leave the doodles a bit more open. Like this is a thing that we have happened to experience, but I, I don't have an answer for it or it could be different. The experience could be different for, for different people. Um, but yeah. Yeah. But the aim is always to make people feel heard right. and to yeah. learn, be exactly. open to learn. Like let's all learn together. I'm not here to preach. I'm here to connect so that we can all try to do better. Exactly. I mean, you know, I've got some really fucking strong opinions about yes. society and I, people who follow me do not know what those opinions are. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh God, that made me sound really psycho, like not bad. Oh, if Josie lived in America, she would have voted for Trump. I am kidding. <laughs> oh, Don't God, see me for please. defamation. So that is <laughs> the deepest level of sarcasm I can possibly muster. <laughs> oh, thanks. God, I can't wait to see the back of him. Um, anyway, sorry. Politics again. Suddenly, Josie has 42,000 subscribers <laughs> as of this recording. Oh, I filtered out those um, those followers of, a few months ago. It's all good. I think, there was, I think there was one or five, maybe. Yeah, thank God. So with the introduction of Nina into the world, which thank you personally for that, because she's hilarious and just great generally, and I'm obsessed and you should be worried. Um, so, I did up a good one. <laughs> I really did. So we had a few people sending questions across to me, to you, and I picked out a couple of the best ones because obviously yeah. your audience get to see this sort of doodle side of you and you give glimpses into personal stuff. And obviously they had uh, questions for you to ask in this podcast. How do you manage doodling and parenting together? You're a superwoman, which I agree with that sentiment. No. But how do you do both? Like how do you take care of a tiny human, which you do full time? Like you don't, she doesn't go to daycare, which if people have help, that's awesome. Um, oh, yeah. in the context of this question you have an amazing partner and your mum is in the same suburb as you, but you know, you are taking care of her full time and trying to do the doodles and run a business. So how do you manage all of that? Um, well, I don't have time management skills whatsoever. I'm, I'm a total like, (laughs) (laughs) I so relate. 
I mean, I, I really hope people that haven't bought a doodle from me hear this, but I totally saw those doodles at 11 p.m. at night when they're supposed to be shipped out the next day. <laughs> With a bit of wine for support and, like, you know, it feel good. Um, I, I don't have time management skills, but I have a very supportive um, partner. Nina's father is amazing. Um, yes. He is an equal parent in this family. And I'm very lucky in that he can somewhat um, not choose his hours, but I guess he starts work really, really early in the morning um, so that he can be home in time to take Nina uh, for dinner, shower, bed and stuff. Um, but basically, let's just say I'm on Nina duty from 6am to 6pm every day. And then uh, I do have my mum come over sometimes for a couple of hours, a couple of days a week. Uh, this is usually I end up walking. I, that's when I'm supposed to work on the doodle. I end up going off and having a nap. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it's, I think some people say, oh, it's really amazing. You do Nina full time and you do the doodles. I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily amazing. I also think it's a bit stupid because I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't recommend doing this. Um, it, I basically clock off from Nina at 6 p.m. But then I go on to do the doodles on weeknights after 6 p.m. And I do burn myself out probably mm. once a month from doing this. Uh, and I do, I work on uh, orders over the weekend as well. So I don't think it is really time management, but that's something that I personally choose to do because I really, really enjoy um, creative, uh, whether it's a hobby or a job. I just, I really love being creative. So I think that's also something that gives me another purpose outside Nina. Yeah, Um, I remember we talked about that even like in the early days of Nina where you said, you know, I'm so grateful that I have this, you know, identity even from the early days of having, obviously having a baby is so incredible, but it it, you want to still have a sense of yourself, right? And this is such a huge part of your, your identity, your creativity and this amazing thing that you've built. And it's kind of been your consistent thing the whole way through that is still you. Like you might not have had the freedom to socialize the way that you wanted to or did not wanted to, but did previously before having a baby. But this thing was kind of like a touchstone, I guess. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know whether you should put this in or not, but I, I think the other thing as well is it's driven by I think we always still want that sense of purpose that gets that gets recognized by society. Yes. Yeah. So when I find it's funny, women have this expectation on them, oh, you're gonna have a baby, you're gonna have a baby, you know, and people are like, oh, I might not even want a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're sort of expected as women to sort of procreate. And then I feel like once you do, you're just a mum. Mm. That could just be how I see it. So I do think sometimes I'm chasing something that like oh, I'm not just a mum um I also work on the side as well because I constantly get asked are you doing any work and I'm like well I'm looking after my child five days a week um raising the next taxpayer yeah um, and it's sometimes and I don't think society or people mean to mean to come across this way but it feels like well, what else are you doing? Yeah. Besides sitting at home watching TV with your child as if you just sit there and don't do anything. Yeah. Um, I think that's good to leave in because it's not you saying that that's necessarily like what everyone should do. It's that it's put a compulsion in you or a need in you to find identity 
or to like show that you have an identity elsewhere, which is more like the societal problem than it is you saying like, if you're a mom, you better be working. <laughs> and I look, I'll admit, I probably was like that as well. Like I really admired the friends which continued to work outside of as well as mm. um, looking after their children full time. And I hate that. And I think though, but now being on that side of it, you do feel like, oh, what else am I doing that's impressive? Yeah. Because people that don't have kids don't really want to hear about yours or talk about it that much. And that's fine because we want to talk about things we can usually relate to. Um, and the friends who do creep you out with demanding <laughs> videos and photos of them 24 7. Honestly. So you've got to strike a balance here, friends. Like, get it together, everyone. Uh, it's like a third job keeping you updated. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. literally like my endorphin hit every couple of days. And then I just like have to relive the old ones until I get a new batch. It sounds like drugs. <laughs> She's just so funny though. <laughs> but it's it's true. Like I understand that. I think that I would have a similar feeling because I have ideas of, you know, when I have a child who I may or may not, I know that regardless of whether or not I have a partner, having a child is a non-negotiable for me and that I will like have to have a career while I have a child but even if it wasn't necessity I can imagine myself feeling the same way and I think it's important to talk about that pressure um so that we can figure out are we actually doing these things because we're passionate about them or because we feel like an external pressure to and it's to have it all yeah and it's also it can be a really lonely job being a full-time parent like Mm. a lot of it's done in the privacy of your home we don't live in these kind of tribes or communities where we're all coming out together and a bunch of people are cooking and a bunch of people playing with children. You have yeah. kids to raise the younger kids and yeah. things. So it's, it's definitely a really modern Western kind of lifestyle that makes it feel even more lonely. So to have something outside of raising your kids, um, whether it's, it might not just be for validation um, to show your friends, oh, I do other stuff, but even it just feels maybe a little less lonely because you will be communicating with other adults. So And connecting. Um, that makes total sense. Yeah. And I don't, look, not everyone might have, the, not everyone has this, that sort of support network though necessarily to be able to do a job as well as um, raising a kid. So, um, yeah. Sorry, that's kind of really privileged. Well, no, I mean, I think it's an I think it's an honest take on you're allowed to have your position, like you're allowed to have your experience and also acknowledge this might not be everybody else's experience, but I think it's a more so about, yeah, the societal pressure than it is about your opinion on how parenting should be done. Yeah. Like you no. never have taken a hardline position on like, unless you're trying to have it all, what are you doing, <laughs> ladies? Get it together. I'm- <laughs> and it, it was I this is gonna sound crazy, but I think I did more doodles, like new doodles and doodle work in the first six months of Nina's life when I had no sleep than I do now, where I get a full night's sleep, but the mental and physical energy <laughs> yeah. that toddlers require. Yeah. Next level. So I yeah. We'll we'll see how they go over the next year. Well, I think you're doing an amazing. You're do- I mean, you know how proud I am of you in every category. Like I've told you multiple times, like how proud I am of you as being the mum that you are and the job that you and Owen are doing. Like, just yeah. you, I'm so glad you went before me because you guys are like the blueprint of exactly how I want to do it. Um, 
And on top of that, what you've built and created with, you know, this art that's become this business and the fact that you've taken full command of that. Um, and now I, you, we don't have to get on calls and like bully each other into doing <laughs> smart business. Yeah, we're doing thing. it. We're doing it. Like, well, you're not doing it. So why should I do it? Well, because you should, well, you said like, <laughs> well, I'll do it if you do it. <laughs> and then we did. Um, conversations. Yeah. <laughs> we're very supportive and incredibly mature. Um, so what are the future plans with the doodles then? Oh, I, I think that there's a bit of a question out there in your uh, community about having a book maybe on the cards. I think they're keen for a book. So what are your plans? Okay. Well, so yes, I did promise a book early this year. That's mm-hmm. looking more like later this year. Happens um, with books. You know, that's, that's just the way it goes. I mean, would I really be a book maker if uh, a bookmaker? That's really a, a really great formal term, isn't it? And a shoe well, cobbler and a candlestick I maker. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say I'm an author if I'm just putting together an assortment of doodles. So, anyway, yeah, <laughs> well, no, you are, you are, because you you like there's captions that go into it, and you know there's there's a level of you know conceptual stuff that you put in your like the writing side of what you produce. Can I please put bookmaker on the front of my book? Absolutely. Josie Edie, the bookmaker. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, that <laughs> um, So that is my next one to two year plan. Ideally, and I think this may just remain a dream. We'll see. See, this is what I mean. There's just don't put pressure on yourself. You know, this is what I'd like to do. And, in the and own it. Just own yeah. it. Own it is ideally I would like to animate the doodles. Um, So as in like have a proper sort of story that maybe goes sort of anywhere between three to five minutes. Um, It would be amazing if it was televised. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched Happy Tree Friends. It used to be on SBS. It was a five-minute episode every night at 10 p.m. Uh, A cartoon of these funny cartoon characters basically murdering one another in the most creative ways and painful long deaths sounds really relaxing (laughs) (laughs) like if you were a kid and watching it you'd have no idea what's going on yeah 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 funny um not along that kind of concept let's say but uh just i think a three to five minute uh animation if i could sort of churn out i think one a week is really no that's probably not realistic so you can tell i haven't used an animation program um (laughs) let's say one a month um dream big joe dream big one a week Right. There's a lot of time that that goes into animation, so that would maybe have to be sort of a buy-in access kind of thing for, for future in the business where maybe yes. I have a little snippet or a trailer on, on social media, but, um, I, yeah, I'm not sure. But that, I also, I, yeah, you've just jogged a great business idea which remind me to tell you after because we're obviously not going to publicise it or someone's going to steal it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what? I'll tell you, I'll put it on our agenda for our next offline chat. Excellent. We okay. actually need an agenda. That's yes, we are. every time Google doc, stay on point girls, or you're going to get to the end of the call and be like, Oh my God, we didn't talk about anything that we plan to talk about. We never do. It's the agenda doesn't even seem to make it. Look, I feel like we hit points in this podcast, but did it deviate just into one of our usual zoom chats? Yes. A hundred percent. It did. Okay. Uh, so future plans for the doodles is uh, quite possibly a book this year. And animation is something that's going to be happening sort of when it happens. We're not putting a deadline on that one. Uh, no, let's just say 
not till Nina's either at preschool or school. Yeah. And right now we've got the Josie Doodle Shop, which obviously will be linked everywhere where this is published with the prints and the uh, originals and any customs that people can put through to you as well. What else is available in the shop? Swaddles, anything else? Also swaddles and cot sheets, which I collaborated on with my friend Lorna. They're particularly really, really good for new parents. So if you know anyone that's having it, sorry, just really selling my stuff here. But oh, go I, for it. I'm really passionate about them in that we've, we've collaborated on creating some doodles that are really supportive, particularly to new parents, um, that if you give it to them before they go to the hospital as well and have their baby, it's just something to, uh, there to kind of, I guess, comfort and have a bit of a laugh about the, the highs and the lows of uh, those first few months of, becoming a parent and they're unbelievably soft right they are crazy soft yeah so i went before having nina went and bought all sorts of cheap crappy muslin wraps and yeah these these are amazing muslin muslin yeah muslin. yeah you got yeah. it nailed um, it thank you uh yeah they are crazy soft so you know go ahead and buy one so absolutely make sure that you're following josie over on instagram go and check out her shop all the links are below uh, Josie, thank you so much for coming and talking to us today. I hope that you have a ton of your followers listening to this and getting to know you uh, in a bit more of a candid way. Which I don't is, know if I want them to listen to this. Oh, well, they're gonna. Uh, <laughs> oh, so it's gonna happen. We've recorded it now. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Um, <laughs> That's <laughs> such a like grandpa exactly. saying, well, Josephine, you can't put the truth, truth base back in the gym. Um, but thank you for coming and chatting to us today. Like Thanks I said, I'm so you. proud of you. I think what you're doing is so special and so important and so unique on social media and so authentic. Uh, and I'm just so proud to be able to like sit on the sidelines and watch it grow. Oh my God. Every time we have a chat to you, I just, I sort of, believe in myself again thank you should i am the most oh. cynical person on the planet i'm gonna go off and doodle a new doodle tonight oh, yes yes in honor <laughs> of the people what they the want podcast <laughs> so i love you dearly and you. we'll definitely be back for another episode thank you for being here today guys uh there will be another episode out next week make sure that you come and follow me on instagram i'll be back with mark asap i'm quite sure uh but we will check you out next episode bye guys